Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today on the podcast, you are meeting one of my favorite people, Courtney Johnston is here from the Rule Breakers Club. I actually started stalking Courtney long before I knew her on the internet and then met her at a conference, you know, like normal people do in the pool, didn't know who she actually was because at the time her picture didn't look like who she looked like on her actual website. And so I started talking to this person and it was like 45 minutes later where I was like, oh my God, I know exactly who you are. (laughs) Awkward Abby to save the day. Awkward Abby. But no, seriously, Courtney was talking at this conference. So were we. She was both a speaker and she just like dropped the knowledge on all things sales pages. And ever since I've been like, she is the go-to person for all things sales copy. And I am so excited for you to hear all the amazing knowledge she has to share about how to create and sell your signature services. Yeah, we love Courtney because she cuts right to the meat just like we do. So you can be guaranteed that this is a absolutely no fluff episode. We're talking about common mistakes that people make on their sales pages, key areas that every single sales page should have, how to brag about yourself without kind of bragging about yourself in a weird, awkward way. And even if you sell products and you're writing your product descriptions or you're not worrying about a super lengthy, long copy sales page, Courtney has some tips on how you can make those super, super sexy and super convincing to the people you want to be talking to. We're talking about how to grab testimonies and what to include in your frequently asked questions so you can make sure that you're protected and you're getting the right people buying the stuff that you're selling. This is a meaty one. We have a ton of stuff that we're going over and we reference even more free, valuable content inside this episode. 
Hey guys, we are here with Courtney Johnson from Rule Breakers Club. Hello, baby. Thanks for coming on. Hi, thanks for having me. I can't believe I'm, I'm inside of the podcast. <laughs> You're here. It's so exciting. Today, I'm pretty excited because we're going to be talking all things sales pages. And sales pages, at least to me, is one of those like mysterious things that in the past, You've just had to kind of do and do over and do over and do over in order for you to get it right. And that getting it right could take a year. It could take six months. It could take two years for you to be like, okay, this is kind of the formula that I've got down. And this is kind of how I want to talk about what I'm offering. And then when we talk about sales pages with our people, I feel like a lot of our audience feels left out because they don't sell courses or they don't sell digital products. So they feel like it doesn't really apply to them. But I feel like you might have a different opinion and you might be able to set them straight and you might be able to walk us through kind of some key points that a sales page should have. So first, let's talk to like, is, is a sales page for everybody and for every type of business? No, a, a long form sales page, like, you know, you go to buy an e-course and you like scroll on the page for like 25 minutes before you get to the bottom. That's not for everybody, right? Like the sales conversation is, is different for, for everyone. Even a work with me page might not be exactly like a sales page or a product description might be different, but they still are, it's still sales conversations. So a lot of the same rules still apply. It's just more about the exact format or the exact way you're going to do it, but you still want to follow most of the principles. Fortunately, with product descriptions, it's actually a lot less. So you're in luck if you're doing uh, product-based stuff. But even if you're not, I can totally help you out. <laughs> so let's talk about those key areas. What should you know every sales page have? And then if you want to talk about you know what are some of the things that maybe a product person could skip? Yeah. So when I do long form sales, well, okay, let me back up a little bit. Everything I do in my entire business, and I just did a class on this for my challenge today. So it literally applies to everything I do is something I call the rainbow of sales. So essentially we, and I know you guys already know all about the rainbow of sales. You're like, it's yeah, beautiful. we got it. <laughs> I love the rainbow of sales. I hope you share all about it. It applies to everything you do. So I use it for sales copy, to write blog posts, to come up with new service ideas, product ideas, courses. Like it literally applies to everything because it's all about making sure that you're creating results for people and that you're communicating the results of what you're creating for people. So for example, how the sales or the rainbow of sales works is that you picture a drawing of a rainbow that you used to draw when you were like into Lisa Frank <laughs> and you've got a cloud and then you have a rainbow and on the other end you have a pot of gold. So the cloud represents where your target customer is right now. So like what is the situation they have before they've used your amazing product? Like what's the frustration? What is missing from their life? Like that's totally applicable to product-based businesses. And then for courses, it's the same thing. Courses solve problems, right? They teach you how to do something that you don't know how to do. So what is it that I'm struggling with right now because I don't know how to do this thing or a service? Same thing. What am I unable to do right now because I don't have your service? Then the gold is the opposite end. So the gold is the pot of gold. That's the outcome that they want, the result that they want. You've got skin cream. I want like clean, glowing skin. That's what it's going to give me. So applies across the board to all offers that exist. Even advertising, right? Like, and even your even when you're selling to an advertiser, you have to make sure you understand their frustration and their desire. And then the rainbow is just the bridge between those two 
things between the cloud and the gold. So it's your offer. It's how your offer is going to take me on this colorful journey over to my pot of gold and give me everything that I want. So on a sales page, this is how it translates so nicely. And I feel like a genius for thinking of this, but it's all just like made up in my mind palace. <laughs> but we have on the sales page, we address the the rainbow of sales. That's the first thing we do. The first 20% of your copy, whether it's a short product description or a 20,000 word sales page is the first 20% because that's when people are understanding whether or not you get them, whether or not you are going to present something that they want. So it's about that emotional connection. And you're going to, the way you make the emotional connection is by introducing the rainbow of sales. So the first opening part of your copy should really speak to the frustration, to where they are right now. Because if you can say, hey, I understand where you're at right now, then you've caught them. They're like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing right now. Like, how did you get inside of my head? That should be your goal with all of your copy is for people to be emailing you saying, how did you know I was thinking that exact same thought when I read it on your sales page? You're like, because I'm a mind reader. Because you should be, <laughs> right? psychic. <laughs> I love teaching mind reading. So then the second thing you do is you've positioned the cloud. You're like, okay, look, I get your frustration. I understand what's bothering you right now. And then you go into the gold and you say, okay, and I bet this is what you want, right? And then you show them that you understand their goal, their desire, the outcome, whatever it is that they want to have at the end. And then you say, oh, and I happen to have created this product precisely to get you from one to the other. So it's literally just positioning, hey, I understand your frustration. I get what you want. And here's the thing I've created literally to solve that problem and give you exactly what you want. At that point, the person is like, okay, I just want the details. What is it? I want it. Yeah. yeah. That's it. <laughs> You're done. This interview is over. That's all you need. It's over. That's it. Six minutes in. Bye. <laughs> I'm efficient, guys. I'm so efficient. how does that translate differently for, say, a product description for a planner or a bracelet? Yeah. So you have to think about the context and the platform. I know Gary V teaches like, what does he call it? Native content a lot. He talks all, all the time about native content. Like people used to tweet out their Facebook posts from Instagram. Like they would create the same social media content and put it on all platforms. And then we realized, uh, that's not really working because platforms are different. People are on them for different reasons. They're in a different mindset when they're reading, they have different expectations. So when I go to a, a e-commerce shop, for example, or I love the idea of a planner because I think a lot of entrepreneurs love to buy planners and love to create planners. This is like the big industry, right? So I'm not going to need like 20,000 words, but I do want you to understand like my, maybe my specific frustrations with planners I've had in the past. So what makes your planner different and what is the frustration that it's going to fix? So my friend and mentor, Natalie McNeil, who runs the website, she takes on the world.com. She launched a planner this year and I was like in her focus group. I basically designed this planner <laughs> for my needs. So this planner is made for me and it's based on the fact that I don't like like, like micro scheduling my entire day. I like to just have my three to five main things I need to get done and I just want that list in the calendar so I can check them off. And I like having space to do gratitude. Like it's just kind of to keep me focused. Whereas my Google calendar is where I actually like 
time-based stuff, scheduled stuff goes on. So the planner she created does that for me. That would be the kind of frustration that she'd want to get across in the planner product description. Now, it would probably be shorter, right? Like it'd probably be like, are you frustrated that most planners try to book you down to the 15-minute increment? Wouldn't you just like a planner that helps you keep focused on your goals? Like that was literally a cloud and a gold right there. Introducing the perfect planner. (laughs) Done and done. Done and done. I love, I met Courtney, you know, what, I don't even know, going on a year ago. And when she started talking about things, I I just always am so surprised how she can come up with like an example on the fly. And I'm like, oh yeah, I want to buy that thing. Like (laughs) selling fake products. I'm like literally trying to sell you on things that don't exist. And you're like, how can I buy it? (laughs) It tries to come up with these things and it always starts with like, so pretend like you're like driving a car. No, no, no. (laughs) Pretend like you're making a burger. No. I am terrible at examples on the fly. I really have to think about them, but your examples on the fly are always genius. So praise oh, be thank to you. Wow, that's a high <laughs> praise. <laughs> so I want to talk about a little bit on the sales page specifically how you can introduce like how you're awesome without sounding you know, like, a like an egotistical a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically. How do you go to Bragtown without making people just roll their eyes at you? You got to have a sense of humor a little bit. You know, like you guys do this really well. I think it's what people in your audience love about you is that it's always like, there's always a comedy element. I think I try to do that too. Now that's not everybody's brand. So I'm not saying you have to like use sarcasm and, you know, be weird. Reference burritos. If you're like, not, yeah. yeah. Like I'm weird. That's who I am. I own it. But, and my weird's different from your weird and your weirds are different from each other's. <laughs> yeah. This is going true. in a weird direction. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it's just like, what you do is you need to pull out the the sound bites. Like, so I have my logos, right? Like a lot of people are collecting their logos. Like I've been featured here, there, wherever. And you want to mention that you've been featured in these places. So I just, I actually with logos, I just make them really subtle. I'm not like, I've been featured in all these places and I'm amazing. I think a big thing there is making your bio in the first person. I think this is kind of a debate with context, but For most people in the female entrepreneur space, writing your bio in the first person is what you want to do in most instances, or else it feels forced and it feels like you're putting a wall between you and the reader when like they know you wrote the bio anyway. It just, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really help. So I think it's just saying like, yeah, you know, I've been featured in these places. I'm really passionate about this. It's about turning it back on why it's a benefit to the, the customer versus you just being like, I am so cool. Cause, mm-hmm. or unless you said it like that, that would maybe be funny, but. <laughs> Which we have, I think, you. I think we've done that before. <laughs> I think uh, our biggest struggle. Sorry. Go ahead. I, I, I write like always a funny thing at the end. So I write like, I love stinky cheese. Like I'll just like, I really <laughs> do love stinky cheese. Cause I lived in France and got like mesmerized by cheese. And so it's just like, okay, that's a random thing, but it shows that I'm a little irreverent and don't take me too seriously. Yeah. I think our biggest struggle is as we've grown and and specifically this is for B2B, but 
when we feel like it would be relevant to talk about how many downloads or views or sales or whatever that we've gotten, like it would actually help establish this thing that we're trying to sell as credible. But we like, that's our last resort. Like we do not want to call out like any of those stats because it feels so weird. So I think that for us, that's still kind of one of those things where we're trying to like make it humorous, but you kind of also just have to get to the point because you can't really beat around the bush of that. And then people will be like, oh, what are you trying to say? So do you have any ideas specifically on how to call out numbers in a way that's not? Yeah, weird? I think with numbers, I actually think on your guys' new website, you do a really good job of this on one of your pages where you just have like some stats about your business. And I thought, okay, that's a really great way of doing it. Another way is just in your short bio, just to say the facts. Like you said, just say like, you know, the strategy hour has been downloaded X number of times and featured on all these places. Like, just say it. Like, don't, it's the same thing with when people give the price on a sales page, they're always like, but what am I supposed to write around it? I'm like, nothing. The whole sales page was to sell the price. You don't need to like justify the price at this point. If you need to justify the price, it means the rest of the copy isn't doing its job. Let's look at that. But it doesn't, you don't, and maybe this might be a female thing too. Like, I don't want to get too gendered about it, but women tend to feel like, oh, I shouldn't be too boastful about my accomplishments. And it's, you know, I didn't, you know, for me, for example, I was featured on Inc and Inc.com. And it was an article where I was featured with a bunch of other entrepreneurs and it was picked up by a couple of other websites. So the same article where I was just featured with a blurb was on Huffington Post, Creative Live, and Inc. And I'm not like nice. justifying this to people. I'm not like, well, I didn't really write an old, whole article. And like, I didn't really like, th this is what people do though. They're like, well, it's not real. Well, yeah, I was featured on Inc. And I'm going to put the logo on my website. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Own it. Yeah. So just, just state the facts, I would say. Just like, and if you want to really call out to them, if they're really impressive, then just make them more visual, like like you guys did on your webpage, where it's kind of just graphically broken out versus straight in the paragraph text. I like that idea. Yeah, I think that makes a big difference to make it not so pushy, I guess, when it just feels like almost like an infographic where you're just communicating information and it's not... I'm not trying to tell you anything other than facts. It's just, mm -hmm. that's just what it is. So yeah, you don't need to create a narrative on. around it. You can just no. tell me that information. Yeah, exactly. So uh, in the same line, I think testimonials are another thing that people have trouble with. Any tips on how to, I think once you have them, they're okay with putting them out there. But I think people like struggle with asking for them. <laughs> yeah. So do you have any tips for like emailing your customers or just talking to someone about your product or service in order to get those awesome testimonials? Yeah. So I think you need to have a system in place. I think you need to plan on asking for testimonials when you have a service and not think of it as a separate thing because it should be a part of your entire process of working with someone. Or if you're launching a course, it should be part of the, like the course isn't done being executed until we've gotten feedback. And then after we got feedback that we have testimonials and it's all good to go. So I think just setting it up as kind of hinting at people when you are working with them, whether it's so for a service, just letting them know, like if they say something nice, feeling like, Hey, you know, I, 
I would love to grab that for a testimonial later. I'm going to send you feedback. So keep that in mind, that feedback you just gave me, because a lot of people are thinking the same thing. And I love what you just said there. Just kind of try to hint it at them. Or when I would deliver my final deliverable to my clients, I would tell them, you know, we're going to reach out for feedback in a couple of days. And it's really important for us to get that feedback from you. So they were expecting the feedback form. And we always ask for feedback. Uh, first, not just like, hey, give me a testimonial. So I'm not saying you can't do that. It's not against the rules. It's not even really unseemly. It's just, I always, I want the feedback. I don't want them to just compliment me. So we normally get the feedback. And then if there's great things in the feedback, I'll often draft just a testimonial from that. I'll just, cause it'll be like kind of random sentences and I'll kind of paste them together. I don't write things for them that didn't exist. And then I sent it Courtney's to Courtney's just over here making up glorious words. <laughs> I just write all my own <laughs> Oh yeah, that would be that would be scandalous. <laughs> so I send them the drafted one based on their feedback. And I say, hey, here's a draft. You can approve this, you can change it, you can write a whole new one. I just need you to give me whatever it's going to be by this date. And I give them a deadline. That last piece is crucial. I have students in my program who are like, I asked for all this feedback from my clients and they're not getting back to me. I'm like, did you give them a deadline? Well, no. Well, you, got, you have to give human beings deadlines. That's how we operate. Everybody. Yeah. It's why you need scarcity during launches. It's why people like don't show up until the last minute for everything. It's you have to understand humans work on deadlines. So always give them a deadline. Even if it's arbitrary, just say, I need it by this date. You don't have to tell them why. <laughs> and, and then they normally actually I've literally never had someone say, no, don't use that. I'll write my own. Like they might've updated it with a little bit more information, but yep. they've never rewritten it ever. And I've been in business for five years. So <laughs> yep. I think that's such a good point is that people People think that if they write a paragraph that for whatever reason, you have to use the whole paragraph from like end to end without taking out a sentence in the middle or like clarifying it. Like you're not changing what it means, but you can edit the thing. Oh, totally. Yeah. And use it because sometimes it makes sense for you to just have one sentence mm -hmm. for a testimonial. And sometimes it makes sense for you to have a paragraph. And sometimes you need a whole page. It just depends on what's going down. And so I know Emily has always been hesitant about like, but she didn't say exactly that. And I'm like, but that's what she meant. So, <laughs> yeah. Like she spelled your name wrong. Like it's fine. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. The name thing, like that's crucial or like misspellings and lowercase I's and like I yeah. fix all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. One way we found really easy to get really, really good testimonies is we started to add a survey at the end of every course. So inside Teachable, where we host our courses, it doesn't show it as complete until they finish that last module, which is tell us how this program changed your life. So they click on it, they open up a form. It can take them less than five minutes if they want to. It gets directly emailed to us. And then all of a sudden, we just have a plethora of all of these finished surveys of people who've completed the program and who send us their thoughts. And that right there has been like so handy to dive back in that folder and like pull out quotes from all of that stuff. Like, because we used to never easy. have any. No, I yeah, because you have to reach out for testimonials. People don't, I mean, they do sometimes randomly. People be like, yes, they do. But 
They it's don't just like, send you amazing testimonials out of the blue. That doesn't happen for anybody. You're not a bad business owner because you're not getting random praise from people. <laughs> Where is my random praise? <laughs> yeah, you have to make it happen. You have to remind people to do it and make it super easy for them and make it quick. You can offer incentives, I think, but we've honestly never really had to do that. So don't feel like that you have to in order to get good feedback for your stuff. Yeah, you don't have to do that. I've done it and I've not done it. And I, yeah, it doesn't it's, really change that it's much. It's worked both ways. Yeah. So going back to sales page and this entire thing as a whole, I would love to hear A, some common mistakes you people you see people making on their sales page, but some trends in other sales pages that you see that you wish would just like absolutely die a slow, painful death. <laughs> oh, I like this conversation. <laughs> okay. So sales pages, guys, like you have to read your sales page and look at your sales page. Like you are the person, like you have to stop looking at it as your thing where you get to talk about how much you love your product and type all these words. Oh my God, the words and the text. And I'm a copywriter and I can't handle it. If I can't scan it, I won't read it. And so you have to, number one, so the big mistake I'm saying here is just too much little text, blocks of text, too much text. Nobody's reading it. And that's why nobody's buying your program. It could be the best copy ever. Nobody's going to read it. So a couple of things you need to do here. Number one, you need to break your sales page into sections. So you need to make sure you have a headline for each section and the headline for each section should be communicating the main idea of that section. So that if I only read the headlines, I will understand what's, what's happening. Like I will, I will be able to give you a summary of the sales page. So that's really important. And that's a big fix people can make. I know I was, um, doing a class with Mariah cause and she writes amazing sales pages. And she said that tip, she was like, that blew my mind. Like I never thought of that. I'm like, that's such an easy thing to do. Like you just, oftentimes you just take the first sentence after the headline you already have. And it's a better headline because it's getting to the point. So yep. that's one tip. Next tip is to never have sentences that are more than, or never, sorry, never have paragraphs that are more than two sentences or maybe three, maybe three. So you will be hard pressed to find a sales page of mine that has three sentence paragraphs. I mean, I've looked, they're there. Like, I don't want to like be fined for this if people are like, I found one. But they're just going to be rare. And that's the opposite of what we learned in school, right? I mean, we learned to have a paragraph that's at least three sentences. And I'm like, uh, maybe three if it's really important for it to be three, but that's very rare. So just the scannability that helps with that as well. And I'd say that's what, like, probably the biggest one. The other mistakes I see people making are just not giving the details of the offer, which is the shocking one, but it happens all the time because you're so close to your offer. You're so used to it. You know everything about it. And you kind of forget that other people don't know anything about it. <laughs> and so the, the other than the text, the biggest mistake I see content wise is like, you're not breaking down your offer enough. You're not giving enough features of your offer. You're not really selling each part of your offer. So if you have a course, every module needs to be sold as if it's worth whatever portion of value it is. Like you need to make sure you're really selling that module with great bullet points and the title of the module needs to be great. And Every piece of copy counts. You can't assume anyone's just going to get it because they don't. That's why they need the offer. Want to learn exactly step-by-step -step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? 
I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. I think I forgot if there was another part to that question. Yeah, the the second part was the, if you see annoying trends happening on sales pages that you wish would just die. Mm, Yeah, the one that you have to be careful of, and I don't know if these are trends or just like, mistakes (laughs) mistakes <laughs> um you know I'm sucking at sales pages yeah and it's okay guys like I'm not there's no shame here it's just like I've been doing this a long time so I've, I've seen it all <laughs> is like too many scripty fonts oh, God. <laughs> and like too much like too much I guess too much is the big one like too much color too many fonts too many 
too much. Like, or I'll see, like, I'll tell people to use images on their sales page and they'll just like post a random stock image that like is totally obstructive of the entire page. So again, you can't like, don't just follow the rules to a minimum. You've got to like really look at it. Like if I was reading this page, what would I think of this and Mm -hmm. scrutinize it? Don't let anything slide. That's not, that's, that's not going to help the sales page. If it's not going to help get rid of it. Mm -hmm. I've spent, I've spent as much time on a sales page as I've spent building a program. Yes. (laughs) Seriously, because I've built, we've built a program in like two days before. And I've spent just as much time on a sales page, which I mean, obviously, I don't know. It's for us, like the actual course content is like recording and all of that, but we don't do a ton of like post editing after the fact. And it's been surprising how long I can scrutinize the sales page. Because I'm just always, like, paranoid that someone's not going <laughs> to understand the you offer. You kind of have to be. I mean, I, I know that doesn't sound like a healthy tip, but you kind of have to be. <laughs> and, you know, I've spent the past two days this week, just this week right now, updating a sales page for my program that has already been done three times. Like this mm-hmm. isn't writing a new sales page. The sales page was super solid. I'm just updating stuff and adding sections based on customer service questions we get, updating frequently asked questions, realizing, you know, there was missing information that could help people make a decision, you know, all these things. So it's constant iterations. Yeah. Talk to us about the FAQ section a little bit. I feel like this is a section that we kind of just like copy and paste over and over again for all of our programs. And and maybe we should spend some more time like truly thinking about what could actually help the people when they're on this page. So other than the obvious questions of like, what am I getting and how do I get it? What are some great questions to go ahead and answer in this section? Uh, the biggest question people have when they're buying anything is, is this for me? Like it is this for me or am I the only person who it's not going to work for? Am I, everyone thinks they're the only person or they have this really specific situation that's so different from everyone because people feel alone. When you're creating an offer to solve people's problems, it's often like they have a problem. They're probably not like talking about it that much, you know, or if they are, it still feels like a problem to them and they feel like they're alone on an island. Mm-hmm. So showing them they're not alone It used to be, and I don't know when this stat came out, it might've been a few years ago in like the heyday of email marketing, but that the most opened email subject line ever is you are not alone. So use that information to show people it's about empathy. It's all about empathy. So being really specific about, you know, what exact types of people is this for? Who isn't this for? And be really clear about the line between the two. Don't just give me the obvious of, it's not for people who don't want to do the work. I've, I've seen that one on everything. It's like, okay, we get it. You want people to work hard. <laughs> um, but is it not for people who aren't making at least a certain amount of money? If it's like a business program or maybe a certain type of skin, if it's that skin cream or like be really clear because it will give the people who it is a good fit for all the more confidence that it is for them, which is what you want. Yeah. You think that you're ruling people out, which you are, but it helps tip both ways. Mm -hmm. A, you're not going to get as many refunds or exchanges or complaints by people who are buying your thing who it wasn't meant for in the first place. And then you're going to get the people who are like, maybe is it for me? Even more solid that it is actually for them. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I like it. Absolutely. I would say that's the number one. Otherwise, it's kind of the core questions of, you know, when do I get it? How do I use this? How long is it going to take me to use? When can I expect results? Lifetime access is a good one. Reiterating your refund policy is often a good idea as well. And then I think the final question is you want to make sure you give people a way to contact your customer service, even if that's just you. I know a lot of people are like, but it's just me. That's fine. But you got to give people a way to contact customer service because it amazed. I used to be against this. I'm like, no, all the information's on the page. They can figure it out. <laughs> it is incredible how many people will not make a purchase until you have verified in customer service that it's for them. And they will mm-hmm. they will write you their entire life story. And in essence, it's just like, well, you only need these two qualities and you have those two qualities. All this other stuff doesn't matter. But they need you to just say, yes, yes, you're going to be okay. And so you will raise your sales just by giving uh, some kind of access to customer service, even if it's just an email I, address and then they email you. Yeah, I've been so surprised how many people literally just want us to tell them like they want to be heard, a, eh? mm-hmm. and they want you to personally say, "Yes, I think this will work for you." And like, li- they don't need more explanation than that. Like, you could spend a paragraph or two, or talk to them for a couple minutes if it was like on a webinar or something. But generally, they just want confirmation, and that mm-hmm. confirmation like nine times out of 10 turns into a sale. It really does. I'm like so shocked how high the conversions are. And you really didn't give them any information. It is no no energy. Honestly, at this point, I just have canned emails and I just tell my customer service person, look, people will email with all this. You just need to look for these elements and say, if you're, for example, for yay for clients, if you are looking to make a consistent revenue of two to $5,000 a month with a service-based business, yes, this program is for you. Mm-hmm. I'll often just turn it back on them so that they can answer their own question. And then they're like, okay, cool. I got it. They just wanted to yeah. like test me. <laughs> yeah. We get these all, like, I feel like in our webinars is when a lot of our FAQs come out and it's where these people come out. Oh, but I sell planners. Is this for me? Oh, but I haven't even started yet. Is this for me? Oh, but X, Y, Z, like, that the foundations of business are so different for every single person that they think that. Mm-hmm. And so we literally like are repeating the same question or the same answer that's asked seven different ways on a webinar. And it's just those people that are just like, but, but like I have this such unique situation, but it's, it's truly not. We're actually creating a list of, mm-hmm. because we have this Facebook group right now for this challenge I'm hosting and it's going to disappear by the time this interview comes out. Cause we're just hosting it for the challenge and then we're closing it. And what we're doing is we're making a list of, cause we have like uh 500 something people of all the different industries people are in. I'm just like, we need to just make a list of every industry because then we can have this list of these are all the industries <laughs> that yeah. people are in and you can pull and categorize those and pull them and put them on your sales page. This works for non-B2B too. It works for B2C. If you're a health coach, what kinds of health problems do you work with? And just list them all out and it'll help people to self-diagnose to, you know, be on theme. <laughs> exactly. For, for sure. Like I think, it's the same reason people look up their symptoms when they're coughing. It's the same reason people like, you know, like they just want someone to tell them that this thing is going to solve their problem. And it's just, 
it's it's often simple. Now, I will I want to back up a little bit. You like glossed over briefly uh refund policy. Mm. In your opinion, mm. do you, do you have <laughs> do you have a specific thing you think works better than the other on refunds? Do not do refunds. Abby's literally asking for her nosy ass. So. <laughs> no, no, no. Abby and I've already talked about this before. Cause I, I think, you know, no, you gotta play with it, I think. And I think there's pros and cons to everything. I know you've mentioned before, I think I don't know if you guys implemented this, but like not doing refunds or well, we did not refunds and then we just did a third day. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It's because someone on a lead pages webinar said that you'll get four times as many people say yes. And like one in four will, will get a refund. I don't know. We've only had one person out of the big batch that just came in on this recent program that wanted a refund and they only wanted a partial refund. They're oh, like, wow. I loved everything so far. So like, don't fund me this part that I already paid but I just can't pay anymore. That is like, extreme. What an honest person. I right? really admire that. I was like, yes, I will approve that. Yeah, like that. <laughs> I just, it, I admire just uh, integrity. That is, oh, I love it. So for me, refunds, it's all just about deciding in advance and being really clear. So you might change it over time. I know you guys have experience with this. You, just being clear, I think offering some kind of refund is good, but you have to think about it. If you're going to offer a refund, then you have to decide what are the terms. You know, the extreme on that end is unlimited lifetime refunds. I've seen that before, and I've seen people do well with that. Leo Baboda of Zen Habits, I don't know if he does anymore, but like several years ago, he always had like a lifetime refund policy because he just want it that's just on brand with him and that works and that way it's a really easy policy you never have to check when someone purchased if they want a refund you just have to find it and refund them you know once you have a policy you then have to document that policy and you have to make sure it's enforced and you need to plan for this in advance it's just yes. like testimonials but like the opposite of testimonials <laughs> You will get refund requests. There's no business ever existed that didn't. And if you're if you're not planning for them in advance, you are self-sabotaging. So you need to decide your refund policy and then you need to put a policy in advance. So when someone requests a refund, what are the steps that need to be taken in order to check the refund, to communicate with the person, to like, if this, then that, you know, all the scenarios. I realize we're getting off of sales pages now, but... This is kind of the territory we get into a lot of times with sales pages as people haven't considered what their refund policy is going to be. Yeah. And then they get in a hot and water. And just don't say anything. Uh-huh. And yeah. then you have nothing to stand on because you didn't say anything. Well, and it's funny because we've we've also done that approach, which don't do that. Don't don't have don't have no approach because we're really, if we just ignore it, it won't come up. <laughs> yeah, um, right. because then you get random emails like we've had the craziest thing like I I'm getting a divorce like I just split up with the person I just lost my job like I mean oh, people will tell you every story yeah. you can possibly imagine yeah and they're always so personal like yeah. I've never had a refund request that was like I would just like a refund please I have right. I've had one that just said refund please and oh, it was on the sales page kit, which has a very specific refund policy. So on that one, we do have a, I can't remember how many days, I think it's 14 days and you have to, and you, it's 
no questions. Actually, no, I think now it is questions. Sorry, I don't even know my own policy, but it's on the page. It's 14 days and I'm on it right now. Okay, so that's me. You, by purchasing the sales page kit, you agree to the following policy. If you use the worksheets, implement the strategies, and are still not satisfied with your results after 14 days, we will refund your full payment as long as you fulfill the refund qualifications. A, submit all of your sales page kit worksheets and show that you use them. B, provide a reason why you're dissatisfied. In other words, this is not buyer's remorse policy. Please make sure that you do indeed want a copy of the sales page kit before purchasing. Yeah. And then you say we reserve the right to deny. Yeah. So here's the thing. And, and I think this is where you guys get to is I know my product is amazing. Yes. I know yes. that. I know that it works. It literally will not not work for someone who's the right person. And it's up to you to decide if you're the right person. And there's all the information in the world that you need to figure that out. So I get to the point where, you know, if it really doesn't work for you, I get there's exceptions. I understand. That's fine. We'll deal with it. But otherwise, like, is it really my fault that you didn't read everything before you purchased? I don't think so. Right. I don't really want to deal with that. So that's why we went, we started with like a 30 day policy and then we made the 14, no questions asked. And then we got this refund request that was just like refund, please. And it was someone literally on the last day. And this person had taken advantage of every resource. They'd asked me questions in the Facebook group. I'd personally responded. They were participated on the Facebook live. They got so much out of this kit. They just wanted their money back. And I thought, you know what? That's really shitty. And I don't want to create a policy just for the, you know, people who abuse it. I don't like to do that. But I thought, you know, other people aren't asking for this. So I don't think it's really hurting anyone by enforcing this policy. I think it's really going to help the community, actually. So that's why we made it a little bit stricter. So everybody's different. You just need to start with something that feels good for you and that you can implement. Yeah. Yeah. I think the key here is A, that you can actually implement because I think that it it really just pick your damn policy and stick with it, which is something we just need to do because you you can't go wrong. I can't speak to that. You can't go wrong (laughs) unless you're not addressing it. That's the wrong thing. But like with B school, for instance, Marie Folio doesn't do any refunds. She's like, absolutely not. You can give me your sob story. You can do whatever. And I'm not refunding you because even an ounce of that program is going to change your life. And I know we feel about that way about our programs too, but like on the other hand, we're like, well, we don't want this like bad juju of like hearing all of these sob stories and then ignoring them or not acknowledging them. And then all of a sudden just this like weird energy is about, but then we hear people who are like, make a refund policy that makes you uncomfortable to offer it. Like I'll refund you double your investment with me. Like I'm not doing that. No. And that sounds so- kind of Derek Helberny, which isn't really my... Jam. Not a fan. (laughs) So the point of all of this is the only way you can go wrong is by not acknowledging it all. So just pick something, be very clear about it, make sure you can implement it and stick to it. (laughs) Maybe we'll take our own advice at the end of this call. And realize that when people agree to buy your product, they're also... Hold, they need to hold up their end of the bargain. So I believe yeah. that it's a two-way street, which is why I don't agree with that. I'll refund you double your money. I think that's that sounds very internet markety to me, and I don't love that, that feeling. It feels icky to me, even though it's like generous. It feels weird. So it like it starts to make me suspicious for some reason. So if I feel suspicious, I'm like, well, other people probably do. So. I guess, yeah, I, I think it's all been said here, but like it, they're holding up their end too. So if you agree to buy something, you're also agreeing to a certain amount and it's, you know, I've presented what I'm going to do. So 
that's yeah yeah well before we jump into talk strategy to me I just want to make a comment if if you learn anything from today I want you to realize that when you go into creating your sales page the people reading your sales page are human too. So anything that you've read on other people's pages that have made you feel weird, don't implement that strategy on your sales page. (laughs) That is Uh, the best advice. (laughs) Like if there is something that you see and you're like, oh, that's cool. But like, like, what is the reason you're doing it? If it doesn't feel if it makes you feel less human and less personal, then I would avoid that strategy altogether. So be yourself, communicate your offer well, and get them to the fucking end of that gold potted rainbow. (laughs) I think they're going to love it. It's so much. So Courtney, tell us, talk strategy to me. If I have an existing sales page, what is five things I can do this week to make little adjustments to improve results. Okay. Number one, I want you to leave your office and go read your sales page. Hopefully you have a laptop, (laughs) like in a different environment. Print it off the internet. (laughs) Carry it with you to a park. And I want you to just look, especially if you've been working on it for like two weeks straight, don't do this right now. But if you've had some space from it, go read it with new eyes and don't like get all self-critical. Just make a list of things you'd want to change. So don't start changing it. This is the other mistake is it's like, I got to change that. And you get down the rabbit hole of changing it as you're looking at it. Just make a list of the things you've noticed that you can improve. It's great to do this if you don't have a launch coming up. If it's just kind of like, there's this non-attachment to it of like, there's no pressure. It's just like, oh yeah, it'd be great to add a section about this. And I'd love to change the design here. Like make that list now so that you can see it with those fresh eyes from the perspective of someone who's not so close to it. So that would be my first tip. My second tip, make sure that you have all the 14 sections you need. I know we didn't talk about all 14. I do have a training on that at my website. And I honestly don't know the URL off the top of my head, but it's at my website. If you want to go through that, you get the whole like free printable with all the the sections. So it is so worth going through, by the way, if you <laughs> haven't been through her sales page formula, I don't even remember what this yeah, literally is. just go to rulebreakersclub.com and it's, it's at the header. top. Yeah. It's my header yeah. like opt-in. So we'll drop the direct link in the show notes. Yeah. And just go through that. It's an hour, but it'll be amazing. I'm all about like the action steps. So it will be worth your while if you need sales page help. So make sure you have all the 14 sections, then make sure in each section, you have a headline that is communicating the main idea. So that's my point number three. So that's one that if you already have a sales page, that little simple one right there, probably take you 10 minutes. Okay. It might take you a little more than 10 minutes, maybe take an hour. Really, really impactful on the scannability of your sales page. Number four would be to break up your text. And if you can find any places where you can show instead of tell, I know I'm a copywriter and I'm like, use more imagery, and less <laughs> words. Try to make it visually compelling. So if you can use icons to kind of just show different modules or like different ingredients or things, like make it visual for people. Again, adds to sustainability. Emojis. 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 There you go. Great idea. Um, I'm always downloading like free icons or packets from Creative Market to like throw on stuff or Canva has free icons. And I would say 
That was number four, I think. Number five would be, ooh, let's talk about your call to action. So let's, because we haven't touched on that. It's always a big question. Whole points, whole pages leading to the call to action. So the call to action should be in the first person. So it shouldn't be like, get or like get you started <laughs> like that's not even English. it shouldn't be like get your copy or like get your face cream or you know it should say get mine or get started it should feel like the person is thinking it not that you're telling them to do it and then it should be focused on what they're getting not when they're giving my point there is that your call to action button should never say buy now <laughs> that's the big no-no and then just make sure that it's stands out. So if it's a different color or just in the design that it stands out from the rest so people can find it really easily. So those are my five actions. I love it. I'm looking at one of our sales pages right now. I'm like, let's change that. And this is a six sentence paragraph. Courtney would punch me. You can also bold. So you can use bullet points. That helps. You can bold lines. Bolding lines anchors the text. So it again makes it scannable even if you're not really doing anything else but bolding. So that's another little hack. I love it. Super helpful. Guys, your sales pages should be total boss after this. So go do it. Courtney, thank you so much for coming on. Why don't you tell everybody where they can hang out with you online? Yeah, you can find me over at rulebreakersclub.com. And I'm on all the social medias like Instagram, I guess is the big one at Court Bort Inc. <laughs> so that's where you can find me. We will link to that in the show notes so you guys know where to find her online. Thank you so much, babe. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.